KIW iRadio 76 proudly presents the 515 Show with your host, John Sarver. Who's at the 515 door today? You know, we saw these guys and, and ladies um, a couple of years ago, and, and we thought it was, it was fascinating. At, at first, we were kind of like, <laughs> why would you do this? And then once you see these folks, man, you almost can't get enough. You know, it, it's time, I believe, we call in uh, Bill right now. It, it's just, it is um, Bill Alexander, of course, of the uh, Michigan Snowmobile Asphalt Drag Racers Association, which is kind of a long sentence. But, man, for what these folks do, <laughs> God bless. Hiya, Bill. How you doing? Not too bad, sir. How are you today? Dandy, it's we were just talking to the folks that when we first saw you guys, we went, how is this even possible? And then when we saw the folks that were running the turbo, I do believe, on one of those snowmobiles, we went, these people are wild. You know, it's such a fun thing to watch. Uh, the snowmobiles, and, and I don't mean these things are, are kind of like, uh, you know, 19, 20, 21 second vehicles. I mean, these things fly. All right, so here's the story there, Bill. For the folks who, who uh, are just joining us, you know, and we got a lot more listeners this time around than in last that we've talked to you, refresh people's memories. Exactly what does the Michigan Snowmobile Asphalt Drag Race Association, what are, what are they all about? What are you guys all about? Well, it began uh, about eight years ago in, in Houghton Lake at a bar on a Sunday or on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> in February. Um, that was where the very first meeting was. Uh, a couple guys finally had the energy to put it together because there'd always been a few guys, that, you know, testing and tuning at Milan, testing and tuning up at Mid Michigan, testing over at US 131, and then we'd all get together at the end of the year in September for one race, and there was a group of guys that finally got together and said, Hey, let's, let's make this into a thing where we have a, a race series through the year and then finish it off with a big race at the end of the year. So, um, some of the sleds have evolved obviously from just the trail sleds that people race or ride in the winter yeah. to full on, you know, true race sleds that sit in the garage when in the middle of winter when they're not being used and then pulled back out in summer. So we have a good, you know, mix of both that are still multi-use. Um, and then obviously you get into some of the heads-up classes, which are very purpose-built, asphalt-only type sleds. So, um, you know, there's budgets from 500 bucks put into it to go on the asphalt, all the way up to 20, 30, 40, 50 grand. Uh, you know, depending on you know what you want to do, and and that's the greatest thing about the big bracket racing class that we do is you don't have to have a big budget. You just have to want to have want to go have a lot of fun, I guess. $50,000 snowmobile? And that's a moderately cheap one if you can put <laughs> some of the work into it yourself. All right. All right. So it, here is Bob Smith, and he's walking down the street, and he says, you know what? I saw the Michigan Snowmobile Asphalt Drag Racer Association, and we said, you know what? I want to get involved in that thing. Luckily for me, I'm a brain surgeon. I have a huge wallet. But I want to be the fastest guy on the block. How much is this going to cost me, Bill? Uh, well, probably to get into a brand new Pro Mod Outlaw sled, you're probably pushing six figures, <laughs> and then that's just to own the own the sled. Uh, now you still have to drive, tune it, prep it, um, which does take a 
a small crew. When you get into that uh, type of racing uh, with those high-end sleds, you can't really do it yourself. You do have to have a some some teams have you know five person crews very wow. similar to a, a you know a standard race race car situation. Some just have you know one or two to help with it. Yeah. Uh, but when you get into the highest forms of it, uh, there is a crew involved and there's a lot of hands on deck and uh, a lot of prep work, maintenance between uh, passes, things like that. Bracket guys, they drive into the line, make the pass, drive it back to the pits, take about 15 minutes, and they can go do it again. So, yeah, you know, Bill, how fast does uh, Mr. Brain Surgeon's uh, fastest five crew, five-person crew uh, snowmobile go? Uh, currently, the Outlaws are in the low 160, 160 mile an hour range in the eighth mile. <laughs> 160 on a snowmobile. For the, for the folks who don't know, it, and it sounds exactly what it is, don't lean too much to the left, folks. You know, I mean, these daredevils, and honest to God, they are daredevils with the folks that you have. You know, you're riding, how far from the asphalt, Bill? How far is your knees from the ground? No, oh, 20 inches or less, probably. <sighs> 160. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, there is, and we were talking about this in the, in the pre-production meeting today, and there's one thing that we don't remember seeing. I mean, to stay on the snowmobile, we don't remember seeing a five-point five harness. I mean, what do you guys have to stick on besides Velcro on the bottom of your seat? Uh, obviously, uh, once you get into the faster speeds, uh, per rules you know 639 and faster in the eighth mile you got to wear leathers top and bottom so yeah. obviously that helps you stick into it a little bit better but uh most of the seats uh are custom made and they have a bolster in the back and you kind of basically put your butt up against that and it holds you in and hold on tight and away you go and that's it yep oh almighty! <laughs> i swear to god you guys have my full respect i mean that thing's something you're dying for but I mean, just to see how fast, because really the folks that we saw at mid-Michigan, I mean, I don't remember seeing 160 mile power, but I do definitely remember seeing triple digits, you know, from the yeah, sleds. Most of the, yep, most of the bracket sleds are, you know, 90 to 115, 120 in the eighth mile for all the bracket series uh, sleds that we have there. Your pro sock sleds are right around the 120 to 125 mark now in the eighth mile. Your pro mods are, you know, right around that 140 mile an hour mark, and then the outlaws, which we do get a few of them to come up. Sometimes, most of the time, they'll come up and test and tune with us. Um, those guys are in the 150 to 160 range. You know, Bill, do, do folks have? And we know that there's turbo sleds, but are, are there nitrous oxide sleds also? Yes, there's our uh, there's quite a or a handful of the bracket guys that they'll have nitrous on their sled as well to <sighs> assist. You know, if they need it, we'll say. Have you ever drove one of those, Bill? Yes. <laughs> when do you turn on the tank? Halfway through? Uh, you, some do it uh, throughout the pass where it's just a full throttle switch. And obviously once you see green, you're pretty much full throttle the whole way. Yeah. Others will use it on a button and, again, use it as they see fit if they had a bad light to try to get them back in the race. Um, you know, different things like that. Obviously, there's in bracket racing, there's a lot of different methodologies whether you want to drive the stripe or drive the tree and or both so um there's some strategy that's played with it as well 
Because we're going to say for for the listeners that who drag race, say vehicles, cars around here, you know when you hit that button, you get that automatic scoot, and it puts you back in your seat. I can't imagine what that's got to feel like on a snowmobile, being 20 inches away from scraping yourself. You know, that's got to be a wild ride. Oh, yeah. It's, it's interesting, you know, depending if you use nitrous, turbo sled, the naturally aspirated sled. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few of them now down in the one teens and one O's for 60 foot. And they they get after it. And um, there's definitely some G-force there uh, on takeoff. And it's just, it's different. And until somebody actually does it, um, it, it's just a whole different experience, even for somebody that's been on snowmobiles their entire life. I was going to say, Bill, the folks that you get in your club, you know, do they come from drag racing, like, say, cars, or do they come more from the snowmobile background and said, I really want to marry these two things together, and here's mid-Michigan, and here's a snowmobile that I, I've now converted over or purposely built? I mean, which way they normally come to you? We do have, I would say the majority of the group is snowmobile background first and moved into it. Um, a lot of guys have probably raced on different surfaces in the past, whether it be grass or ice. Um, but as Mother Nature hasn't helped, you know, the ice side of it as yeah. much, as well as volunteers, there's a lot of work that goes into building and preparing an ice drag track and or a grass drag track. And there's just not as many facilities anymore doing it. Whereas asphalt, you know, with the, with the great drag strips we have in Michigan, and especially mid-Michigan where we call home, um, that you don't have to worry about that. So that big issue is gone. So a lot of people have gravitated toward the asphalt because it's always there, and you don't have to have Mother Nature's help. I guess we do it to make sure there's no rain, but other than that, <laughs> the track's there. Um, we do have uh, more and more over the last few years, we have had some guys transfer over from the car world. Um not you know again i I don't want to say it's less costly, of course, it's all in what you want to <laughs> have your budget be, yeah, um, but it is a little bit more maneuverable, obviously, the trailer size can be smaller, um you know, you don't need to have you know a couple three, four crew guys, you know, like you do with most car operations now, um you can do it with just yourself and one other, some guys even do it just by themselves, um so the operation can be a little bit smaller. Uh, I've heard a lot of people have come over and they just enjoy being with a group. Um, obviously, once the helmets are put on, we're we're fierce competitors and we want to cut <laughs> each other's throats. But uh, off the track, everybody gets along very well and, and socializes. And I know that uh, you know a lot of what we've heard from some of the car guys that have come over is the atmosphere is just a lot better when you're at the racetrack, whether you win or lose. You know what, Bill? Talk about that. I mean, we've talked about this before, but for the folks who are new to to hearing you uh, with us, I mean, your group has one of the wildest, I I don't want to say it's tailgating, you know, but once you guys put the the sleds away for the night, I mean, out comes the barbecues, out comes the chairs, out comes all kinds of things. Absolutely, and that's kind of what it, uh, you know, what, was part of the reason in, in how everybody gravitated toward it and has continued to gravitate toward it is, you know, everybody's trailers are, are open. Uh, and you just kind of, you know, when the races are done, you kind of go trailer to trailer and, and just the atmosphere. And, and we've had, you know, families and 
we we've watched some kids over the last seven eight years, and I can't call them kids anymore. Um, <laughs> grow up, and now they're racing with us, and you know they were seven eight nine, you know ten eleven years old, and now they're racing right alongside of us. And and you even have some almost third generations that are very close in the next year or two coming as well. So it's a very good family friendly atmosphere, but it is some of the toughest you know snowmobile racing there is anywhere in the country. How old does that make you feel when you see Junior is now lined up next to you? Um, makes me really <laughs> lazy, or feel really lazy on the light, we'll say. Um, they, they definitely have a better reaction time, obviously. Some of the, uh, I'll say, more experienced still yeah. have, you know, some, some gamesmanship, we'll say. Yeah. Um, to, to keep it, and, uh, but there's a great mix of young and old now, and, and again, everybody gets along, and everybody's got different budgets, so it, it just works. And it, it, and it's just cool to see, and, um, I know even this year we've had, I think, three new one, uh, three new, we'll say that, have been able to um, graduate to the point where they can now race a sled as well. So in, in their first couple races, they've come out and won a few rounds, and they're causing everybody fit. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the junior dragsters, you know, they grow up around it where their parents and everybody else and, and cars, and then all of a sudden they get into the, a bigger car themselves. Now we're able to see that in the snowmobile world um, where they've been around it, they've seen it, they've kind of, Grew up, grow up around it, and now all of a sudden they're on it themselves, and and they're in it, and their heads are in it, and and they know what they're doing, and, and they're not. The learning curve is very small now compared to what it used to be. You know, Bill, what is the age requirement? I mean, what's the minimum age to get in to do all this? Sixteen. Sixteen, and what's the maximum age? Uh, I know last year uh, we still we had a gentleman that was 72, 73 years old racing with us. I know we have. A uh, handful in the 60s uh, that race with us quite often, and I would say the large majority are anywhere from their 30s to early 50s. Wow. And how many people, do, I'm sorry, how many folks did you say you have now in the group? Um, I would expect for this weekend's memorial race, with the weather being the way it's going to be, we'll have over 50 bracket sleds there. <sighs> we'll have uh, a good solid 6 to 10 Pro Stock 800 guys. And pro mods, I know some of them just got off a race last week, so we'll see who shows. Um, but I would expect a pretty decent, you know, anywhere from four to ten of those as well. And, um, you know, 70-plus snowmobiles on on one property is probably what's to be expected for this weekend. Yeah, but, I mean, A, you're going to have great weather. B, you're at a great track. You're going to be at mid-Michigan again, aren't you? Absolutely. Uh, only place I, I'd rather be, uh, Mike, Mary Jo, Amber, the whole crew up there, uh, treat us so good uh the way they roll out the red carpet for us and, and allow our group to do what they do um you know kind of being the redheaded stepchildren to an extent but um you know in the, in the track that mike gives us he, he's an artist at it he's he learned over the last seven eight years and he's asked questions of the guy of everybody in the group and um he's an artist when it comes to track prep for snowmobiles and uh and there's a reason why uh a lot of the fastest times that are done, and, and even some of the records are done at Mid Michigan just on a uh, on a normal race day. Now, those things that the the prep that Mike does, and <laughs> if anybody has seen Mike, Mike and Marianne, but but Mike Mike Ledford, when when you see him in like April, he looks like you and I. By August, he's got like Banisalay should have him as the poster guy for a suntan because he's always yeah. always always on the track 
Absolutely. I'm surprised I haven't seen the picture yet today of him scraping it for the weekend, <laughs> but I'm sure if it's not up there yet, it'll it's be up coming. There, uh, later today or tomorrow. Um, again, he's just the way they treat uh, all the racers, but I know our group especially, and then obviously the way he preps the track is, is second to none. You know, which comes up to as we have, uh, if you have questions for Bill Alexander, bring them right up on, on hotline at ckw76.com. You know, and here comes your first one, Bill, and, and this is how timely this comes through. The difference between, and I'll paraphrase, the, the difference between prepping for a car and prepping for a snowmobile is? Um, track prep, I should snowmobiles say. Snowmobiles obviously use a uh, CVT-based clutching with a belt. Uh, versus a standard drivetrain uh, differential type setup. So essentially most snowmobiles can dead hook. Um, dead hook. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an artistry to it in terms of trying to, you know, essentially slip it and or kill the ignition or you can do some things with the, with the clutching to try to make it slip um, like a differential. So that way it doesn't dead, just dead hook because obviously a dead hook is not good on a snowmobile either. Um, so the way Mike preps it, I would say, is more t- similar to a small tire type application. Okay. Um, just from the, you know, obviously I, I, I'm no track expert in terms of, I just know talking to him and hearing some similarities, it's very similar to a uh, small tire type track prep. But you're prepping, are you prepping down the middle? I mean, for a snowmobile racer like yourself, when you line up or when you get into the box and stuff, I mean, where do you look? Do you look for a center track? Do you look a little closer to left or right? Um, it's, pref- it's a preference. Um, I usually do it a little different than others. Uh, I'm fortunate enough running the races. I get up in the tower quite often so I can see some things. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody needs to go running up to the tower to bother Amber anymore. <laughs> um, but it, it's one of those things you, you got to get a comfort level. There's some people that go right in the center, uh, obviously in the, in the center. Um, due to all the cars that have gone down at any racetrack, it's a little crowned. Yeah. Um, so you have to be somewhat careful with it because obviously if you're just off center, you can get pushed left or right. You have to use body English to bring it back. If you get a lot of people will just follow in the tire tracks or the tire indentations because um, it does help with keeping the snowmobile a little bit straighter. Um, I tend to try to find the spot that nobody else is using, um, but that's just the way I set my snowmobile up. So I want as fresh a prep as I could possibly find. So sometimes I'm outside the tire uh, track areas or inside of them um, trying to find, but that's how I have my snowmobile set up. So that can also play into it, how you set your sled up with the clutching, the gearing, and the rear suspension. Uh, will determine usually where you set yourself up when you come to the line. You know, Bill, there's there's a lot of people that would think that snowmobile is, okay, there you go, you got a track, you know, you, you got the little wheel things in the front, and away you go. But there is a whole lot of chassis set up, isn't there? I mean, that you could play Absolutely. around with? You know, between, obviously there's a minimum uh, height on the front end, and that's a, uh, that's a track uh, sanctioning body requirement of the minimum of two inches um but after that there's a lot of um factors that play into you know your ride height your transition your transfer um similar to a lot of the cars where you're you know playing with rear setups and rear shock adjustments and and k-members and torsion bars there's similar things just obviously different descriptions within the snowmobile rear suspension that you're trying to set up 
to you want it to transfer a little bit but not too much so that way it doesn't lose traction and, and essentially quote unquote hit a wheelie bar type of deal um, and go too far but you want it to you know transfer just enough so that way the weight transfers back so that way it kind of can plan itself and and get get a better leave so there is a lot of adjustments whether right where you put your rollers how your rear arms up down inside outside back forward um and the shocks that you use as well in terms of uh how you have them set you know with the rebounds and the compression and it, it, there's a lot of similarities in terms of what car guys are trying to do that the snowmobiles try to do as well just not as exaggerated um you know in terms of how much they're transferring and and you can also with a cbt driven drivetrain there is actually centrifugal force that's pulled on one side of the snowmobile that as the higher the horsepower usually that causes the sled to launch in an offset and now you have to compensate for that as well you know as the uh questions for you bill keep coming from the hotline here i hope you don't mind answering them uh, there is one here and, and, and again it's almost like paraphrasing and it's i've, I've seen this before because I, I've seen wheelie bars on the back of a snowmobile, but can you actually lift? I mean, Absolutely. do like a wheel, a wheelie, or, yeah, or yeah. a ski or whatever you yep. call that? <laughs> Ideally, you don't want to do it too much. I mean, no. a, that's where the fine <laughs> science comes in. Um, you know, some people, you know, want it basically just where the front skis are, are touching the ground barely. Um, some will have it where it's just a little bit more than that. Um, but again, if you go too far and transfer too much, and yeah, the, the wheelie's cool for the pictures, but now you're, all your momentum's going up versus out, and it's not as fast. It looks cool. Um, but again, it, you can go too far where you actually start losing traction as well because that contact patch is, is leaving the surface and, and you lose traction. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, what would you do, Bill? Because, I mean, that thing, that, I mean, obviously, if you go up two, three inches, it's a little different. But if you kind of reach for the sky... I mean, do you get that much of a shock absorber that when those skis hit that asphalt, it's got to be unpleasant, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, it's not a good deal. <laughs> Usually there's something that gets quite broke. Uh, a lot of the front ends are rigid. There are some that have some give, um, but not very much. You know, we're probably talking two, three inches of travel maybe. Um, so if, if you do put the front end too high in the air, more than likely you're going to break something. Um, there are some front suspensions that are straight rigid with, with solid bars, and that will cause a lot of issues, we'll say, um, that won't, that won't, that'll probably end your day. You know, we, we have a listener here who was evidently very, very intently listening to what you're saying about this suspension setup. But, the, and again, I'll paraphrase, it's kind of lengthy, but they were saying, well, wouldn't you just shift your weight to, as opposed to do major chassis adjustments? But your seat isn't that long, is it? I mean, not usually. Uh, most of them are, you know, kind of custom-made seats, so you're set in one spot. You can use some body English, but at the same time, if you use too much body, now you upset the chassis at the same time. Um, you know, and you can alter the bias left-right if you put too much into it, or or jerk around the, the chassis too much. Then it'll it'll actually upset the way the suspension is set up at the same time and, and cause adverse effects. So you gotta be very gentle with it. Most of the time, you're you're literally just pushing down with one foot or the other onto the running board to try to get the 
uh, try to get it initiated to either come back one way or get it to go a different way. Uh, very rarely is, are you successful if you really get after it and try to yank it over one way or the other because more than likely you're going to upset the chassis enough that you're going to scrub quite a bit of speed and, and time. Yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> evidently a listener is trying to fathom what this is like. There is, for those who don't know, they're, they're not... What do they call those up front? And please excuse the ignorance here, but they're not called skis up front, are they? When you when you're drag racing on, on asphalt, they are. Yep, just just asphalt wheeled skis. Yeah. Okay. So they actually they're not ski skis as as you've seen on a, a skidoo or a, a Polara or something like that. Polaris in, in on snow. There's actually they're the ski part kind of, but they got wheels on them. I mean, obviously, that'd be a hell of a ride if you just ran real skis, you know. But those... Yep, a yep, yep. couple manufacturers make them for us. Um, and basically, they're two pieces of billet aluminum, uh, and then you'll have a, a couple cross members in them, and then they have a high-speed bearing with a um, highly coated rubber, uh, you know, high-speed wheel, caster wheel put on them. Um, and then, obviously, they got one one... Uh, bolt mount that goes directly through both both plates to tie them into the spindle and into the chassis. Now, a, a listener asks, and again, I'll paraphrase, it, it appears that they have a, uh, a snowmobile in the garage uh, for snow, you know, but they're, they're wondering, is there a way to convert that over, or is the drag racing on asphalt a total different animal snowmobile than the one that he has uh, in his garage? Nope. Uh, like I said, there's probably more than half of our group that convert them back and forth between winter use and asphalt use. And it all, again, it comes down to your budget. You can get a brand new uh, suspension track and set of skis and be like $4,000 into it. And then you just swap it back over from winter to summer. Or if uh, there's a lot of guys that'll take a, get a second suspension uh, for that make and model and just alter it for asphalt use, basically, you know, uh, tie it down so it's a lower flung, less transfer, uh, more solid overall, put some extra wheels in it. Uh, obviously, the track is the one thing that you can't do without. Um, some are used, some are, you know, depending on what you need to do. Um, a lot of guys in the bracket series will try to buy this, uh, the track off from a pro stock or a pro mod sled after one year because those guys, train, you know, swap tracks every year, whereas the bracket sled can still use that track for another two, three years. Wow, um, if taken care of properly, um, and then again, same thing with skis. If you're if you're handy and, and a machinist or have you know a machinist buddy, you can you know make some plates and, and get some wheels and and make your own for probably a couple hundred bucks. Or again, there's a couple manufacturers that make them for anywhere from four hundred to six hundred bucks. So um, again, you can and in the usually at the end of the season, there's always a few guys either upgrading or, or transferring out of it. You can buy a whole sled if you want for two grand, twenty five hundred bucks and go have a whole lot of heck, heck of a lot of fun or again you can put in you know a thousand to four grand and convert your existing sled over um between seasons i mean bill how hard is that to, to swap keep swapping over for winter or summer winter or summer i mean let's see is it really you know time consuming or is it i mean obviously you're not going to do it in 10 minutes or anything but is it Worth it just to have, like what you were saying, but grab yourself a $2,000 one, and then that way you have it set up for summertime, I mean, for the drag racing, and you don't have to worry about the flip-flop all the time? 
it all depends on how mechanical you are and you know what type of tools you have in your garage but most sleds can be converted back and forth in two hours you know two to four hours so depending on oh, really um you know yep if you get a buddy it obviously makes it a little easier having a second set of hands but um it's really not that bad especially if you're mechanical around a snowmobile um, it's just a standard track swap like you would do on your uh, winter sled if you were do- updating a, a track on it. Um, essentially, you're doing the same thing, um, just mounting the different components in it. And then the skis are obviously the easiest to swap. It's just pull one bolt out and uh, put the bolt back in on the, on the new skis and go. And, and, of course, suspension adjustments are up to your own liking. Some leave them in completely snow form on the front ends and, and don't do anything different. Uh, others obviously even just have a second pair of shocks, which you can get off, you know, many different avenues, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, whatever, from um, either somebody that's upgraded shocks on a snow sled or somebody that's crashed. You can find, you know, fair set of shock, secondhand shocks, pretty cheap, uh, you know, if you want to have a asphalt-specific set ready to go. Um, but, again, it can be anywhere from a couple hours to four hours for most of them. Um, some, can, uh, some of the older sleds can be converted quicker because um, things are a little bit more uh, easy to get a hold of, I should say, or get access to. Some of the newer style sleds are so compact and everything's piled on top of each other, you just got to take a couple things extra off to do the work you have to. So, um, But most of the time, two to four hours, you can convert your sled back and forth. You know, you, you almost answered a question that just came through on, on the hotline here, and it was if you wanted to start out and build one, you know, is there a better year or a better manufacturer to buy uh, a sled from? You know, is and, and I'm going to go way out here. Is like Skidoo better to buy than a something if you're just learning? It might be easier to work on as you just come through, or are they all basically all the same? Uh, bracket wise, it's kind of whatever your personal liking is, uh, whatever brand, whatever one that you feel most comfortable with maybe you have you know the extra tools or maybe some extra parts um so bracket wise it's kind of whatever you know fits your fancy when you start getting into the heads up classes uh, for like pro stock definitely you know players and skidoo tend to be the more popular choices um and that's basically from the motor packages and um what you can do with those motor packages compared to a couple of the other brands um to be more competitive and then Pro Mod, um, if you're taking a sled that was a was supposed to be a snow sled, most uh, most people are taking a Yamaha or Articat with a turbo already on it, um, and then obviously modifying it from there. If you're going to try to do a two-stroke um, Pro Mod, most of them are custom built, um, just because the power plants and everything around them are are not proper. Uh, you know, from OEM standpoint, so they yeah. need quite a bit of reinforcing and, and basically remanufacturing. So most people in that regard will go to a aftermarket chassis uh, with a full motor setup. So if you're pro mod, it's definitely a, a Yamaha or Articat because they come with a turbo factory. Um, pro stock is Flares or, or uh, Skidoo, bracket-wise. Whatever color you like, whatever one <laughs> looks best to you, that's the one you go with. You know, Bill, as you were talking, I'm thinking... Obviously, drag racing snowmobiles is coming more popular as it were. You know, I mean, you're bigger now than you were last year, and you're bigger than before. You know, everything hit. You know, here comes great guns. Do any of the manufacturers make, like, say, Skidoo, make a, a, a snowmobile directly for drag racing? 
I mean, are they missing a market here? Not really. Uh, I would say, especially from a manufacturing standpoint, um, snowmobile racing is way down on the totem pole compared to what it used to be. And we even see that with some of the auto manufacturers now, too. It's not necessarily what wins on Sunday sells on Monday anymore. Yeah. And there's so many more avenues with it and, and lifestyle type things is where even the snowmobile manufacturers are, you know, are geared toward. Um, and especially with the way that new style snowmobiles are built, you actually have to reverse engineer them to a drag racing setup because they all have more suspension in them now because they're meant to go over the bigger bumps. They're meant to, you know, be more comfortable to ride for longer periods of time and go longer days. Whereas, you know, in a drag racing setup, you want little to no suspension. You want low slung. So, um, from a manufacturing standpoint, and in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, if there's, let's say, 60,000, 70,000 snowmobiles manufactured a year, yeah. there's probably only 200 of them getting asphalt drag. And most of those 200 are probably 10-plus years old. Wow. Wow. So I was thinking that, you know what, dear Skidoo, I mean, you guys, it looks like you're, the market's here, obviously. I mean, you guys keep growing. And, you know, I remember, I think we're talking, last time we talked, there were groups like in Wisconsin and stuff like that. I mean, you were drawing them from all over, you know, and it's like, look, if uh, one of the manufacturers gave a little bit of push, you know, this is one untapped market, isn't it, for them? Uh, a little bit, but again, when it comes to overall cost, it, it's probably not there. I do know in talking to a couple of the aftermarket uh, companies that uh, not only sponsor our group, but build the suspensions, the skis. Um, I know they're looking at, you know, how how can they put a kit together mm. that somebody could go buy whatever snowmobile they want, use it on the snow, and then instead of having to be able to fabricate anything themselves or build anything themselves, you know, because there's some people that are and there's some people that can't, hmm. um, you know, you, you could buy a kit and then take your snow stuff, put this kit on it, go use it in the summer, take the kit off, go put your other stuff back on and go in the, in the snow. So I know that discussions have been happening for the last few years. Um, and the biggest thing from the aftermarket with that is now you have to keep up with the trends of the OEMs as they change. Mm. Um, you know, do the parts that you make for this year, do, are they going to fit for next year and so on? So um, that's always a battle, but I know that is probably something that needs to be looked into further is having an aftermarket company with a bullpen type kit um, would be probably the best avenue for all parties involved. Yeah, I was going to say, if you had a one-stop shop, then wouldn't that help you know, people, especially if you're just starting out, you know, and you have no clue. It's a big forest out there. Don't buy the wrong parts. Don't get the wrong thing. And if you could get, like, a beginner's kit, and I use the the air uh, quotes on that, you know, wouldn't that be helping, you know, somebody who thought, you know what, that's in my price budget, and we do have that snowmobile, you know, in, in, the, in the shutout back. Mm-hmm. You know, if yep. you can make it one-stop shop, it'd certainly be a lot easier. Yep, and I know, like I said, myself, I've talked to uh, a couple of the guys that are a lot of the primary ones that build all the suspensions and the uh, and the skis and, and are really into the asphalt racing as well as other um, surface racing for snowmobiles as well. And, and that's kind of where a lot of our discussions have been and, and or pushed toward is 
you know, the easier or more streamlined you could put together a kit where somebody could call call you up and say, I, you know, I need a kit for my skidoo. Yeah, okay, fine. Here's two grand. Here's the instructions and the parts in a box. And in four hours, your snowmobile, your snow sled, now able to go down the asphalt. That's amazing. You know, it really is. It, we have uh, here's another question. Ask uh, Bill. Okay, uh, all the different classes in snowmobile racing for asphalt snowmobile racing. I mean, I heard you say pro mod, etc. I mean, the top of the top is what, and the entry level is bracket, and then who's all in between? So yeah, your biggest class, right, no matter well. where you go, um, is going to be bracket. Whether you're over in Wisconsin with their, that group, our group, uh, I know there's some trying to reinforce it back into New York. New York, uh, 10, 12 years ago, we used to be the hotbed, and it kind of died off with a few of the tracks kind of gearing more toward motorcycles, but they're trying to make it come back out there too. Um, so bracket's by far the biggest class and the easiest one to get into because, again, it's all based off your budget. Um, and, and, again, you know, we all know bracket, right? You're only – essentially you're racing yourself a lot of the time. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can be slower or faster um, based off what you want to put into it and your budget. Then you jump up to the first heads-up class is Pro Stock 800. So you have an 800cc uh, triple or twin-cylinder snowmobile. They're usually in the 225 to 240 horsepower range. They go – you know, 520s, 530s in the eighth at 120 mile an hour. Wow. Um, heads up, you know, heads up pro tree class. Then from there you move up into pro mod, which there's a ton of combinations similar to, you know, all the different car pro mod combinations. You have turbos, naturally aspirated. Um, there's some different ones playing with some blower type things now as well that may end up adapting over to the asphalt. So, so you get into that. Now those sleds are in the 480s, 490s, you know, 140 mile an hour in the eighth. And then the top class is the outlaw class, which again, multiple combinations, um, different, um, you know, power adders, no power adders, um, different weights based off from those power adders. And those are down in, you know, all the way down into, I think the current records in the 430s, um, you know, 430s to 450, at, you know, 155 to 165 mile an hour. Wow. You know, see, <laughs> I keep thinking 20 inches from the ground. Well, wearing leathers or not wearing leathers, God bless every person that races in your group because I'll prefer to stand on the side and go, you guys are great. <laughs> I don't have the guts to do yeah. that. <laughs> well, and even, you know, even the budget bracket racer, you know, these, so a couple of these $2,000, $2,500 sleds that come for sale at the end of the season, um, you can still easily, with that sled, will go 630 at 90, 95 mile an hour in the eighth mile. And you got $2,000 into it. And obviously, anybody that knows anything about cars, you are spending a lot more than that to go 630s in a car in the eighth mile. Hell yeah, you um, are. Or any, or any other, you know, vehicle. Um, so you get a whole lot of bang uh, and a lot of fun uh, out of a snowmobile and, and very little maintenance uh, on those um some people even run the same five gallons of gas all year type of deal, and, and, and you're only out some water and uh, some bags of ice, you know, for your race day. So you can get into, I know a gentleman in our group bought a snowmobile, came up for sale last year, $2,000, turnkey. And I know he won more money than the 2000 he had into it last year, um, and he never even won a race. But he finished a lot of, you know, top, top eight, top, you know, three, four, fives. And by the end of the year, he had paid for that sled. Um, and had a whole heck of a lot of fun 
uh, why he did it. See? And that's why you want to get involved with it. And that goes, I'm going to field this next question, and I'm going to go probably about one-fifth of the way into it. And, Bill, you feel free to finish it. It is one of the heartwarming things that we like to see when when we have guests on at the 515 because we have a, a listener here and evidently is from Grayling, Michigan, and wants, sounds like fun, how do we get involved? He doesn't have a sled, but he doesn't want to spend money on buying a sled to find out, I'm paraphrasing here, find out that he doesn't like it, but he wants to try it. And um, and if he likes it, then he evidently looks like he's going to go gun-ho. Now, if they talk to somebody in your club, Bill, take it from here. I know the answer. Um, so, obviously, the first thing is come attend some of the races. Uh, everybody's very nice. You know, you're more than welcome to walk into the pits. Obviously, you know, your path into Michigan there gets you anywhere you want to go. Come talk to everybody. Everybody is very friendly. We'll talk to you about different things. Um, and again, if you have some ability on a snowmobile, hopefully you've rode one before, um, more than likely somebody in the group we can get you with that has a sled up to your level of, of coherence, we'll say, with a snow, with, within snowmobiles. And a lot of our race days are done on MidMichigan's test and tune days. And uh, we'll be your drug dealer of choice and give you that first tip for free. <laughs> Because um, most of the time, when everybody that tries it, as soon as they do a burnout, it's pretty much over at that point. Um, because doing a burnout on a snowmobile, I've been very fortunate to do. Uh, I've had some cars in the past. Burnouts are cool, but there's something different about a snowmobile doing a burnout. And no matter how much experience you have on a snowmobile, until you've done a burnout on it, on one, it, it's it's a totally different experience. And usually, that's all it takes to get somebody that's on the fence to be all in yeah and here's the story too and i'm not going to answer for bill but if you have a snowmobile and it's kind of like going to the gym you want to go but you don't want to look silly so now here's the story bill's group and and look for it in facebook because they have a facebook page it's michigan snowmobile asphalt drag racers association and we're not shortening that name for nobody damn it you know, and so here's a story. If you have one, I think if you trailer it to Mid Michigan, which is over there in Stanton, you know, great ice cream. If you go for nothing, you get the ice cream. Um, Superman. Sounds <laughs> already. You'll find me walking around the pit, uh, handing kids that their parents tell them no. I usually hand them a couple bucks so that way they can go get ice cream all the time and. Um, because I love it. You know, that's the best part of it. You know, kids, whether they're, they're with our group or obviously toward the end of the night, uh, when we're finishing up, obviously it goes to open test and tunes. There's a lot of cars yeah. and, and those families that come out. And, uh, again, we're all about having fun. So if I can find a little kid and, and make his face, you know, all sorts of messy from the ice cream, that makes my day. So, um, <laughs> so that's part of the fun, too. But, yeah, if you have a sled and you're, you know, again, you're, uh, you know, hesitant about it, yeah, we run on test and tune days. So come up ask questions, you know, hang out with the group, and there's plenty of test and tune time only uh, if you want to get your feet wet before you, you know, go ahead and enter the race. And, and again, with the, with the way we race, especially in the bracket classes, we have a buyback round, then we always do a second chance race as well. So, uh, you know, for about 60, 70 bucks, you can get 
as much racing in as you want or as much gas as you have to put in your snowmobile because uh, another great thing that we have with Mike and Mary Jo is when when we're, our racing is done because everybody has bought a tech card for the day, you can continue and just keep testing and tuning uh, until the lights get shut off as well. So you can get as much passes as you have gas for in that day. And, and a lot of people will help you out, um, whether it be helping you get to the line, discuss, you know, talking through what you, you know, how to operate it and do it, you know, do what you need to do, um, helping you make it better, um, faster, or just more consistent, depending on what you, what your end result is. Um, bring it on out or, um, get on the group page there, uh, post on there, ask questions, uh, things like that. And, and by far, that's one of the greatest things about this group is the amount of information and the willingness to help a new racer uh, get, get caught up to speed and have fun. Yeah. Uh, good luck if you go to mid-Michigan trying to find Bill Alexander because he's there, there, over there. He's over there, 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 there. The man is a human ping pong only because there's so much to do. But if you want to see, and this is one of the things that really impressed us about the group, it's run so smoothly. The event is runs so well. You know, you can, we've been to millions of events, and it's sometimes it's kind of choppy water, let's just say. But with Bill's group, even if you're going as a spectator, and you should, because really, the, after you see like the first or second race go down, you'll get hooked. It's easy, you know, because it's something so different, you know, and, and everybody kind of starts on the same level. You know, you, you don't have to be a Chevrolet guy or a Plymouth guy or whatever. But, you know, when you see these snowmobiles, it's a hell of a show. I mean, for spectators, it, it's just wonderful. You know, and, and so you can ask anybody around there because they're friendly. Even, I don't know if that really, really, really big guy is still with you, but he was. Absolutely. What's that? He is, absolutely. He's my bodyguard in case if I go to make somebody mad. Um, <laughs> that's the other part. Obviously, we have a lot of people that have been uh, with us for a few years, so they kind of know the day-to-day goal of it. Um, but I know myself, the board, and uh, with the help of Mike there at the track, we try to run a very efficient show. Um, you know, We get on track at 3 o'clock uh, for some open time runs for the bracket sleds, but we go round one at 4 o'clock. And even running the 50 bracket sleds with a buyback round, um, and then a full, you know, qualifying field and and uh, bracket or ladder race, we will be done in four hours um, from top to bottom. We're usually done about eight eight thirty. Um, only if a car has an issue, uh, and I'm not saying that a bad thing, within the test and tune to, to cause us to slow down. Um, you know, we are done eight eight thirty, so you can still enjoy your evening. Uh, you know, whether you're socializing at the track. Or, or heading back home and get home at a decent hour and or, you know, uh, more testing. Because obviously uh, most of the Saturdays uh, the track is open till 11 o'clock. So even if you make it to the finals, win the race, and you still want to have more gas in the tank and you want to keep going, you still got a couple hours after that to, uh, to keep right on rolling. So uh, very efficient show. And, and, again, I'm kind of a ping-pong ball, but I do stay within that 150 feet usually. <laughs> Um, if you can, if you can catch me in between there. Um, but again, it, it, it's not just me. It's obviously Mike's help with the, from the track and then, uh, the racers as well. You know, they, I can only yell at them so much to be on time and know where they're supposed to be. Um, they kind of police themselves, uh, at this point. And, 
even as a newbie, you'll know when to go and where to be. And, and we always try to, you know, my, my goal since I've kind of taken over this role four or five years ago was I will always over-communicate so nobody can tell me they didn't yeah. hear it and didn't know where to be. Yeah. Um, so we always have the rounds posted on the board two, three rounds out. So you know if you win this round, you got to be back here in a half an hour or um, and or ahead of time in the postings I'll put for the race day. Um, again, over-communicate, and everybody at least listens or, or observes enough, and uh, it runs smoothly. So uh, it's not you know just myself. There's a lot of working pieces that uh, go into play prior to the race, and then the last 10% there is at the actual track and, and, and it goes live. Yeah, because you'll see that Bill will be around this dry erase board, if I'm not mistaken, and it's by the trailer, which is by the gate. And talk about overcommunication. There's no such thing as overcommunicating. That just means you're strengthening the message, and it's awesome. I mean, all the way down to, and and folks are asking too, and I don't know why they would have to ask this, but I mean, you're still doing your uh, video updates from your garage, aren't you? Usually, uh, I have I've done less of them this year uh, due to some time things that I have going on. But um, there will be another one either tonight or uh, early tomorrow going out for this weekend's race. I still try to do them at least for each race. Um, but yeah, usually I'll do a a Facebook live uh, the week of the race again just to communicate any nuances for that race day and or. Uh, redo and make sure because again there's always new people so i will say a lot of the same things twice um from race to race but again there always could be a new person that hears it for the first time um so again i've always said i'm going to be very transparent over communicate and it, i think it helps when it comes time for racing i think it's it's one of the things that that we love about your group especially here at ck it knocks us out how well you communicate how well you have, everybody knows, there's not a doubt in anybody's mind. I mean, you can go to national events, uh, car national events, and you're kind of wondering, are we here? Are we there? Do we park here? Are we running now? Are we, you know, but that the thing that you have at the garage or wherever that's at, it's a phenomenal tool. I don't know how you came up with it, but it's brilliant. Everybody at your place should applaud you because that... You know, even we're not even racing, and sometimes when we watch them, it's like you leave knowing that you gave everybody everything that's in the book. And you're right; if you missed it, if you're out getting a pop and you're you're coming back, you're gonna know. So when you get into that trailer on on or the truck on on Saturday or or, or Friday, it, it's kind of you know what's going on in your head, and that's brilliant. That is worth its weight in gold. I don't know how you came up with that kind of communicational skill, but Bill, but I mean, it, way to go, man. Um, talk about way to go. We better hurry up and tell everybody who's on your board and who's your sponsors this year. Uh, board members, still got quite a few that have been on for a few years and a couple new ones at the same time. So we have Lisa Flannery, Joe Brinkheis. They've been on for a few years and then a couple new guys uh, that are getting tossed right into the fire and uh, they're learning quick. And they've been racers with us for quite a few years, and they chose to step up and help uh, this year with Mike Grinnell and Tom Rowsley. Um, and they've been a, all four of them have been a huge help because obviously I've had some extra time taken for work and um, some other activities for my kids this year uh, with baseball and things like that. So they've stepped up and, and done a huge help um, organizing and doing a lot of things on the backside. 
And then, let me see if I can pull this up here. Because I forgot to print it, so we're going to see how easy I can see it. That's okay. There it is. Um, so sponsors for this year, uh, our title presenting sponsor is Michigan Power Sports out of Clio. Uh, our, our bracket class sponsor is Hang Tough Racing, Marty Kading Building Company. Then our, we also have Pro Stock Inc., Pro 4 Performance, Hanna Performance, Bellman Oil, Pro Line, Dilson Racing, Finish Line High Performance Coatings, Super Sled Online, Four Boy Racing Dana Russell, SPC Interiors, Wall Brothers Racing, Extreme Downhill, Four Show Photography, Moomaw Construction, Flannery Performance, Good Cell Racing, Farnan Racing, International Industrial Contracting Corp, Carpentry, Carpentry by Mike Grinnell, CNR Excavating, Rittenhour's Auto Repair, Nick's Lawn Service and Snow Plowing, Long's Transmission Service, Spaces Two Experiences, Smoking Engine Racing, and Mid Michigan Motorplex. <laughs> Bill, remind me to ask you in the beginning of our discussion next time. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, you can, you know, folks have maybe three, maybe four uh, sponsors. I've never heard of a list that long. I mean, how are uh, you getting them? Uh, a lot of long-term sponsors. A lot of them are from the group, whether it be uh, a racer themselves uh, that owns a company or works at a company um, or a friend or a relative. We get a lot of sponsors where... The racer will bring his buddy that owns a company or or it works at a company, and then they're like, "Dude, I I want to help you guys out with this." And uh, and we're also not one that we think we're too big of ourselves either. We'll we'll take a twenty five dollars sponsorship all day long. Um, anything that we can do to help pay for the rate, you know, pay back to the racers, um, you know, for their travels, their time involved. Um, you know, we're not racing for for you know for a living here by any means, but we're not you know racing for small change i know this weekend um more than likely the winner of the bra- the memorial bracket race will take home over 1250 bucks to win it um and I've, and we and we pay back to quarters so even if you make it to the quarters two rounds if you win two rounds maybe three depending on how many we have you're at least going to get your entry fee back so you get a whole lot of bang and we're talking a bracket entry fee is 30 bucks with a 10 dollar buyback so uh it to have a chance to win 1250 or more um most of our normal races obviously our memorial race coming up this weekend is is probably our big one for the year um that we've always done um and it and gets a few more entries i know we have some uh, guys coming over from canada uh we'll get a quite a few coming from wisconsin and ohio and, and new york as well um but even a normal bracket race day we'll say uh, most of the time the winner takes home right around a thousand bucks yeah, you know, because we had listeners that saying, are you going to be at 131? Evidently, you were out there before, and it's like, no, no, not anymore. You're going to be at mid-Michigan only, right? Our series, the MSADRA series, the 5 race series is done at mid-Michigan only. There is a big year-end shootout. Uh, we'll call it our U.S. Nationals, I guess is the easiest way to describe it. Sure. Is at U.S. 131. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe it's the weekend of September 15th through the 17th. And that's usually where, like, our group, you know, I don't want to call our races practice, but that's what we're doing. We're getting ourselves ready, beating each other's heads in, so that way when we go down there, we keep all the money at home. Um, you know, when the, when more of the guys from Wisconsin come or New York or even 
you know, as far as Vermont, New Hampshire, and, and stuff like that, guys come from there and, and all different parts of Canada as well. So, um, but yes, there is the RUS Nationals, um, or a lot of people call it the shootout. Um, it happens at US 131, uh, second, third week there in September. All right. So the next time you're going to be at, at Michigan for people that are at Mid Michigan, if people want to come see you, it's going to be when? This Friday and Saturday uh, is our two-day memorial race. Friday night is a bunch of uh, gambler-style racing uh, and, and heads-up shootouts. Not po- you know that's not part of our point series, but we do a Friday night heads-up uh, Sandy shootout uh, this weekend. That'll start around four o'clock and go till dark. And then uh, Saturday is our big memorial race. Uh, we'll be on track starting at three o'clock. And final eliminations, finals will probably run between eight and nine. And then uh, the next, uh, our next scheduled race will be Saturday, J- July 8th. And then our uh, big finale will be August, don't quote me on the days, 24th and 25th <laughs> or 25th and 26th. I forget what that Friday, Saturday is. Um, that'll be our big year-end uh, finale that will also run a Friday, Saturday show up there at Mid-Michigan. Now, at Mid-Michigan, for folks that are wondering, is it you or is it you and bracket cars also? So it's us. Uh, we we do get to start at three o'clock and, and have the track to ourselves, and then at five thirty, the track goes live, or we'll say to the public yeah. for test and tune only. So there is no other race going on except for us. The snowmobiles are racing, and then you can still bring up your car, truck, whatever, if you want to um, just do a normal test and tune night. Right. So it's you can see a plethora. When you go see Bill's group, it makes it kind of easy. Talking about easy, where can they find more information about uh, your group, Bill? Uh, via Facebook is the main easiest way. Uh, Michigan Snowmobile Asphalt Drag Racers Association. Um, you'll see it. It's uh, fairly active, obviously, during this time of the year. Yeah. All the information's there. If you want to see any rules, if you want to see any membership-type stuff, it's all in the files uh, section tab on the top. Um, obviously, but there's also many posts as well. Like I said, I'll have the race day post for this week, um, either later tonight or tomorrow, um, so that way everybody can get ready to rock and roll for this weekend. Wow. And lastly, we better be not miss the uh, name of the gentleman who is your bodyguard. Big Joe. <laughs> I'd expect no less. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, and I do want to say, and yeah. I, I forgot to mention his name earlier. Sure. Uh, he has been on the board with us before, um, and he is our title sponsor for this year, Matt Shaw. Um, he is also our tech director, so he's the guy down at the scales. We do do a full-on tech for the heads-up sleds, weights, scales, um, measurements, and all that. So in teardowns, we do it all because we want everything to be legit. So, and, and I did forget to say that. I know Matt's not directly on the board this year because um, he took the sole role of being the tech director, but Matt Shaw is a huge help for us as well. Yeah, and for those who don't know, to, to uh, be a part of the Michigan Snowmobile Asphalt Drag Racers Association, there are rules, and there are there is a membership fee, I do believe, uh, to get in, so you just can't like show up and say, I'm part of you. I mean, that's how this whole thing keeps going so well. There are bylaws, there are real laws, and I'm sure there's probably tussles back and forth when rules change, just like in the car world, you know. And God bless, and you're the one who has to face the music. Thank God Big Joe is around, you know. And for folks who don't know, Big Joe lives up to that billing, you know. 
I mean, that, it's... He's a, he's a teddy bear. Come on now. Yeah, he is. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. 20 bucks here for somebody to stomp on his foot. Let's see how much <laughs> the teddy bear works. Turn <laughs> yeah. that dial. I'll let you do whatever you want. <laughs> William Alexander of the Michigan Snowmobile Asphalt Drag Racers Association. You got to go see him. I mean, it, it really, we've seen him a couple of times, and it's... It, after the first two races, when you go, what am I seeing here? It's a blast. And when the closer they get to eliminations and it gets crazy, that's when you go. And, and when you hear some of the times and you hear some of the speeds, it, it, you'll be hooked. No question about it. Bill, come back with us, won't you? Absolutely appreciate everything and uh, giving me the opportunity to come on and talk about it. Any time. We'd love to have you guys. All right. Good Thank luck you. to you this weekend, Bill. We'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye now. That's William Alexander again from the Michigan Snowmobile Asphalt Drag Racers Association. I know when we first started a couple of years having William on, I could get halfway through that and mess it up. However, there is, and we're talking, now Bill's gone obviously right now, but it's uh, seriously, we've seen very, very, very few clubs uh, that run so smoothly. And I know Bill likes to, to give credit to other people, and I'm sure that that's well-deserved, you know, but you see Bill in action. It's fun. You see Bill because he used to do a lot of the stuff. He, he did, like, he was a forerunner of almost Zoom meetings. He would be, you could see, like, the garage roof or whatever that he had behind him, but yet he would spell out in awesome detail what was going to go on for the group this weekend? What's going to happen? What's going to do, etc. And then you also did, we did see that he's got the trailer that's nearest to the gate, if you know where that's at, at mid-Michigan. And he's bouncing. He is all over the place. And he does make sure that you know what's going on. I mean, half of the race being fun is knowing what to do. As opposed to, I didn't hear my class, or are we racing now, or what's going on, or what time we're supposed to be there. You know, I think if he had enough time, and if he could get Santa's sled in the summertime, Bill would deliver the whole manifest to all the members down their chimney so everybody knows, you know, what's going on so it's not one big kind of craziness. And we've seen that a lot. And, again, we, we've had a blast with them. It, it, at mid-Michigan, they used to go. There was a couple of folks that were racing in Milan and stuff and, and further around the uh, Detroit metropolitan area. Well, it doesn't matter. You know, really, what are you doing anyways? Go up to mid-Michigan, <laughs> create ice cream. Bill and Mary Joe, I mean, Mike and Billy Joe, uh, unbelievable. Your hosts for mid-Michigan, uh, drag motorplex, whatever it may be now. You know, they run a hell of a track. They were our track to watch for 2021, you know, only because they do things right. And if you know this track whatsoever, and you know, Mike Ledford, they do have, and now they have a great announcer, you know, I mean, not like they didn't have one before, he says, with a little asterisk over his head. Um, But it's done right. And ladies, you'll love their restrooms. (laughs) Next to 131. They're the finest, so you, you really don't have... And I don't think they soak you, too, for, for watching snowmobile racing. 
You know, it, it's not like a $50 NHRA event. I, I seriously think you could probably take your whole family and go see the Michigan Snowmobile Asphalt Drag Race Association uh, and see those folks. And they're serious. You know, when, when they put on the leathers and stuff like that, when they get to the line and things, and, and let me tell you, friends, this isn't just a man's world in there. There are women racing. Like, wow, really? 2023? Women are racing? Yeah. But what we meant to say was uh, you got everybody racing their snowmobiles, and I'm telling you, some of those women are ripping it up. <sighs> you just take a look at, at their sleds, and you see how damn close they are uh, to the ground going that fast. And seriously, we sat back. Sue Martin and I saw, saw their races up in mid-Michigan, and... and <laughs> <laughs> this goes through your mind. Are you guys nuts? <laughs> God love you for the for the speed of the game, for keeping drag racing. You know, drag racing has it's like music. There's all kinds of different um, different kind of genres. You know, and, and the snowmobiling one is just it's phenomenal. It's I would almost put Bill Alexander as had honcho for a very very long time because you can hear his enthusiasm in his voice he will grow just on the uh charisma that he's got to get the get snowmobile racing on asphalt you know, to go way way over the top